Awesome. Well, this morning we are in week four of the series that we are currently in entitled Make Room as we are uh, digging in this year. This is actually the theme for us this year, that we would make room for God to do what only he can do in our lives this year. And, and we've been challenging you individually. I've, I've talked to a number of people that this year you're making room like never before. Maybe you're getting in the word like never before. You're spending time in prayer like never before. Making room for God to do what only he can do. And we as a congregation are doing the very same thing. God, what do you wanna do in us? What do you wanna do through us for your glory? We wanna make sure that we are giving you the space to do that. Because we fill our lives with a lot of things, right? We make room for a lot of stuff. How many are making room for the Super Bowl today? Watching this, right? Well, a lot of us are gonna do that, right? I'm gonna do that. I love watching football. But I wanna also make room for the stuff that matters, the things that are important in life, all right? And so we're gonna dig into this last week. Uh, if you missed it, Micah shared a powerful message. We looked at the Holy Spirit. Today, we're gonna kind of build on that. So if you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Acts chapter one? Acts chapter one. And if you would, would you stand with me across the room as we're gonna read our text together this morning? We say it all the time. There's nothing sacred about standing. It's just our tradition to say, God, we honor your word above everything else. Acts chapter one, beginning in verse number four, says this. On one occasion, while he, he being Jesus, was eating with them, being the disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jump down to verse number eight. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this proclamation that you made to those disciples. But God, I believe it's a word for us today. And God, I pray today in 2024 that we would hear you speak. And God, we would be responsive to your Holy Spirit today. Have your way in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You may be seated. I mean, you know, there are things in life that sometimes will make you a little uncomfortable, right? Sometimes there's people in life that will make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. We all get that. There's those moments where you just squirm. You're like, I don't, I don't like this. I feel weird right now. This feels awkward right now. This happens on a regular basis right here in our church. I know that every Sunday when it's time, hey, greet your neighbor, there's some of you that are uncomfortable by that little moment in the service. You're like, I don't really want to go talk to people I don't really know. Some of you are like, that's, that's outside of my comfort zone. And it can get really comfortable here at Zoe because we're a huggy church. And some of you are not huggy people. Have you ever hugged a non-huggy person? They're just like, yeah, ooh, this is awkward. Don't hug. Why are you hugging me? See, I'm a huggy person. I like, I like to hug people. Sorry, I apologize ahead of time if that makes you uncomfortable. But this is, this is how we relate to one another. We have a, a circumstance in our home that has begun to change in the last few months with one of our children. It's our daughter, Diella. She's the cutest thing in the world. She's nine. She turns 10 at the end of March. But suddenly, we make her uncomfortable all the time. <laughs> Can any parents relate to that? Like on a regular, like we embarrass her, our presence embarrasses her. So I'm like, you're so embarrassing, dad. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm just here. I didn't, I didn't even say anything. What happened? But even more than that, what we've discovered lately is she's, okay, so I'm, I'm affectionate. I'll give my wife hugs. I'll give my wife kisses. I've done that their whole life. I, th- I tell my kids, one of the best gifts I can give you is that I love my wife. Like, like we have a good marriage. It's one of the best gifts that I can give you. But suddenly 
if I get am affectionate at all with Amber, Diella just starts get super uncomfortable now. Okay, like so I'll give her a I'll give her a hug. Like oh god, it's so embarrassing. Stop this, whatever. So the other day I walked in and I'm like, I'm like, it's just fun now to me because it's entertaining. So I go to Amber, I'm like, get over here, babe. I give her a big hug. I plant a big old kiss on her lips. And Diella's like, dad. She walks all the way across, goes into the kitchen, opens the pantry door, steps in the pantry, shuts it. And she's just like, stop it. I'm like, I'm not stopping it out here, okay? She's so uncomfortable. There's things in life that make us feel uncomfortable. And I just know as we shared last week, the Holy Spirit is one of those uncomfortable ideas for a lot of Christians. Talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about his work in our lives, it can make some people feel uneasy. Why is that? I think for one, for one reason, it's, there's a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit that a lot of people have, and that misunderstanding causes us to feel uncomfortable by it. Like I get that. We, hope we were able to address some of that last week. And so if you missed last week's message, I'd encourage you to go listen to that. Micah did a great job of just laying out a, very, a clear understanding of, of the role of the Holy Spirit. But I think another reason is that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, and coming, there's a sense of like, well, I'm not in control then. Like, I, I want to be in control. And all of us are little control freaks. Let's just be honest. We're all, con- so this idea of the Holy Spirit having control in my life, like that makes me feel uncomfortable. But I think there's another reason, and it's because, there have been a lot of abuses related to the work of the Holy Spirit. Can we, can we just recognize that? There's a lot of abuses that have existed. Leaders who have engaged in exceedingly bizarre behavior and then they blame the Holy Spirit for it. Like I get it, I've been in the church my whole life. I've seen it, I've watched some weird stuff happen. Like that's just weird. Micah said it last week, the Holy Spirit isn't weird, but people are weird, okay? Like, and I totally agree with that. And unfortunately the Holy Spirit gets blamed for weird people on a regular basis. Like, it's not the Holy Spirit's issue. That's people that are just weird sometimes. And I think the result is that a lot of Christians, because of that, they simply ignore the Holy Spirit. They're like, yeah, I just don't want to go there. In fact, Francis Chan wrote a book. Some of you know Francis Chan. I love him. And, and he wrote a book called The Forgotten God several years ago. And I would encourage you to read it. It's all about the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, listen, we've got believers who are literally ignoring the third person of the Trinity just because they're a little uncomfortable. And I think that can be true for us. But as we shared last week, what did Jesus say? He said, it would be better for me to leave so that I can send the Holy Spirit to you. And if Jesus makes that proclamation, we should probably pay attention. We should probably listen to it. Last week, we laid out the function and the role of the Holy Spirit. But today, I want to focus a bit more. and I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and his activity in our lives. We said this last week, one of the functions and roles of the Holy Spirit is to baptize us. Now here, the scripture teaches very, very clearly that the Holy Spirit dwells within every believer. Ephesians chapter one talks very clearly about that. But there is an additional baptism of the Holy Spirit that is also available for all believers. Scripture teaches very clearly about that. And I believe this baptism in the Holy Spirit is critical for every single one of us. Why do I say that? Why does it matter? Why would this baptism in the Holy Spirit be something that actually matters to me? One word, it's this, power. Power. What did Jesus just say in Acts chapter one, verse eight? He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. How many of you have ever thought to yourself, faith can sometimes be difficult? Ever had that thought to yourself? It's difficult sometimes. 
It's overwhelming. Sometimes I'm being asked to do things. I don't feel like I have the strength in and of myself to do it. Good news. The power of the Holy Spirit is available for you. And the word power, if you, if you go into the original Greek, the word power there is dunamis. You know what dunamis, literally, it's, it's connected to, the root word is connected to? Dynamite. Exactly. Dynamite. We're not talking like, oh, sparklers. We're talking dynamite. It's the power of the Holy, the power to change something, to move something, right? To do something that's beyond ourselves, Right? And the problem is we've got believers who try and avoid the baptism of the Holy Spirit because of some things that rightfully so are weird and awkward. But in doing so, they are missing out on a power that Jesus says you desperately need if you're going to live this faith out. All right? So you ask the question, well, what? Power to do what? What do I need power for? I'm going to give you three things here this morning. And a big so what. So if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to follow along and write these down. But we'll talk about that. Number one, the power to be a witness. The power to be a witness. What did he say in verse number eight? He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You know whose job it is to be a witness for Christ? You. You, you, and me, all of us, we are it. It isn't something we outsource to the professionals, okay? In our society, especially in our modern Christianity, we want to outsource everything, don't we? Let's, let's get someone else to take care of that. Parents, I'm going to challenge you parents for a second. Sometimes we want to outsource discipling our kids to the church. We say, well, I'm just going to bring my kid every Sunday, and if I bring my kid every Sunday, that's a good thing to do. But guess what? You are still the spiritual leader of your home. It's you. We are here to do everything we can to come alongside you, to help you and encourage you in that journey. But at the end of the day, you can't outsource your role as the spiritual leader of your home. And in the same way, sometimes we want to outsource the witnessing to the professionals. Just let Greg take care of it. He'll get up. I'll bring my, kid, my friends to church. And guess what? No, you have also been called to be a witness. I'll be faithful to preach, but you are called to be a witness wherever you are because you're encountering people nobody else will. But let's be honest. Sometimes trying to be a witness, it can feel overwhelming, right? Am I the only one who's ever felt a little uncomfortable, a little fearful, stepping into a moment, speaking truth? Like, I think all of us can experience that. And see, this is what the Holy Spirit comes, to give us power to be a witness, to know that we aren't in this game by ourselves, that we know that the Spirit is there speaking through us, which is what Scripture says. He'll speak. Jesus said, the Spirit will give you words. He will give you wisdom. He will speak through you in those moments. And it gives us a confidence to know that we can stand on that. I love the best example of this is uh, the Apostle Peter, right? I love Peter because Peter said a lot of stupid stuff sometimes, you know, and he, he made mistakes. He, he wanted, like, I, I can relate to Peter in a lot of ways. But what happened to Peter, right? Right, right before Jesus dies, in, in his deepest need, Peter denies even knowing Jesus. I don't even know him. What's worse is he didn't just deny him to, like, big, strong soldier guy. He denied him to a child, he wasn't even willing to be honest and give a witness in that moment. But something changed. Was it that Peter went to a theology training school? Was it that Peter got officially christened as some, you know, great? No, no, no. None of those things happened. The resurrection happens. Guess what? That alone did not make a change in Peter's life. What happened? Acts chapter 2. 
It says the power of the Spirit falls on him. And that day, under the power of the Spirit, he steps up in front of 3,000 or thousands of people. 3,000 came to faith, but thousands of people, the very people he denied Jesus to, he stands before them and says, repent. You're going the wrong way. You missed it on this Jesus thing. This power that came upon him, it wasn't because he was so great. It was the Spirit work in him. And this is what's available for every one of us. As followers, we're not called to sit on a bench and just like show up to church for an hour on Sunday and watch the guy get up and talk for a while. No, we're invited in this story, this grand story of bringing the hope of Christ to the world around us. And we need his spirit to be able to do those things, all right? We go on and uh, second thought is this. Holy Spirit gives us the power to operate with spiritual gifts to edify the body of believers. And this is the part that will make some of you uncomfortable a little bit. Okay, spiritual gifts. Because this is the part where I think the Holy Spirit's been abused by toxic spiritual leaders. But hear this, it shouldn't be toxic because this is really stinking good news for us as followers of Christ, okay? So I wanna take us to a passage of scripture in the book of 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking to a group of believers who have gotten sideways as it relates to this power of the Spirit in his activity in the world. Right? They've gotten toxic sideways. And he's wanting to give them some training. He's wanting to teach them about what does this look like? What is this baptism in the Holy Spirit and the power in these spiritual gifts? What does this actually look like? And so we get to uh, chapter 12, verse number one, and he says this. He says, now about the gifts of the Spirit or the spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. It's like you guys have been operating just very uninformed. You, you, you're doing some crazy toxic stuff and we need to clean some stuff up and make sure we're going the right direction, okay? And so he goes on and begins to explain a number of things. He talks about the fact that there's all these gifts. There's these spiritual supernatural gifts that are available to believers under the power of the Holy Spirit. But he points something very clear out. We go to verse number seven. He says this, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit or these spiritual gifts is given, why? For the common good. See, some people think these spiritual gifts, these supernatural gifts, that, that it's meant just to be cool. Look how cool I am, and look at all this amazing stuff I can do, and, and to create some spectacle out of those things. Not at all. The purposes of spiritual gifts, these divine spiritual gifts, is to build up, to edify, to encourage the body of believers for the common good. This is good for us. It's not supposed to be toxic and sideways. Unfortunately, when it goes rogue, that's what happens. But when kept in its proper uh, movement, like we have this understanding, this is good for us as a body of believers, all right? And so he goes on, and, and I'm gonna give you the Cliff Notes version. Over the next three verses, he begins to list a number of these gifts, these spiritual gifts that are available to the church. One, he talks about a message of wisdom, we're through the power of the Holy Spirit, giving a message of wisdom, an understanding that isn't from you just because you're so wise, but the Spirit gives you this ability, right? A message of knowledge, knowing something you ordinarily wouldn't know, but the Spirit is able to speak that into your heart, into your mind to have an understanding of what's going on. The gift of faith. You say, don't we all have faith? You're right. But there are times where the Spirit will give a gift of faith that is beyond your ability to have faith in any way whatsoever. It's a supernatural faith to believe. And we've got gifts of healing. The ability to lay hands and see God do a healing work in someone, whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it is. Miraculous power, the gift of miraculous power to do something that's beyond your ability, to pray and see God do something supernatural. 
There's the gift of prophecy, right? This a word, a word from God where, where God plants a word from his very heart into the mouth of someone else to speak on his behalf to someone, okay? We talk about distinguishing between spirits. It's not just that you're so smart, you figured something out, but there are times where by the power of the spirit, he will give you the ability to discern like spiritually what's going on. Not just what's going on in the flesh, but what's going on spiritually here to be able to see and distinguish that, okay? There's also speaking in different kinds of tongues, speaking in words, a language that you don't understand. And then lastly, the interpretation, the ability to actually interpret tongues that you do not understand. These are all gifts that are available. These are gifts that the power of the Holy Spirit enables a believer to do. Why? So you can be really cool. No, it's so the body can be built up because we need more than what we can see with our eyes. We need God's spirit to move amongst us if we're gonna accomplish everything that he's asking of us, all right? This is good for us. And I've experienced this in my own life. Many of you know uh, Pastor Tanya, right? Pastor Tanya is our discipleship and uh, <clears throat> prayer pastor here. First time I met Tanya was about 20 years ago. I was an intern at my previous church. I'd just been interning for a couple of months at the time. And, uh, and when service was over, I had been leading worship that morning. And when service was over, uh, this lady who I had never met before, she wasn't on staff at the church, this lady I'd never met before walked up to me after service and she starts talking. And I'm gonna be honest, I thought she was crazy. <laughs> she, she comes to me and she starts talking to me. And says, God gave me this vision. I'm like, sure, he gave you a vision. Okay, I was a little skeptical, let's just be honest. And speaking, of, God just... God just spoke these things and here's what I'm seeing. And, and she jokes with me now about the fact that while she was talking to me the whole time, I was like, mm, okay. But you know what happened in that moment? God had given her a word of knowledge for my life. And I've seen the fruit of that word for 20 years. But had she not stepped out in faith and through the power of the Holy Spirit spoken what God had for me, I don't know that I would be here today because God began to open my eyes to see some things I had never seen before. See, that's what the gifts of the Spirit are supposed to be. They are intended to open us and allow us to step into the calling that God has for us in our lives. Now, I will say this. I say this at every membership class. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and we want to see the Holy Spirit in real, genuine ways and I will never allow this place to turn into something that's crazy and weird, okay? Because there is order. The Holy Spirit is not one of disorder. He's one of order. And we will do everything we can to protect and to guard. This isn't like a free-for-all on a Sunday. There's a reason I sit on the front row. If you ever have a point where you're like, I'm sensing God stirring something in my heart for the congregation, you come down and you tell me what it is. We'll have a conversation, and I'll discern if that's a right thing for our congregation. But we want the genuine move of the Spirit because I do believe God speaks today still. He never speaks in a way that is in conflict with his word, but he does speak to us today and we wanna hear his voice, okay? We desperately need his voice like never before, okay? All right, so we talk about those two areas and I think those are, are really two great aspects of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I would say those are the two areas that get talked about probably more than anything else when it comes to the Holy Spirit. But I think there's something, a third component to me honestly, is the most important in my life. And that's what point number three is this. Holy Spirit gives us the power to live day by day. 
the power to live day by day. At the core, this is why I think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is such good news for us, okay? Because a lot of us, we come to a point of salvation, salvation, yes, and then we get to the next day and we're like, oh no, we have to live this thing out. I gotta live this out. And there are moments in my life and there's probably moments in your life where you're like, I don't, I don't have the power to do this. The good news is you don't need the power because the Holy Spirit will enable you to accomplish what you could never do on your own. That's the good news of the Holy Spirit's work inside of us. And every single one of us has this opportunity to say, God, I need you to have a heart posture that says, I need you. I depend on you. I'm not leaning on myself. I'm leaning on you at work within me. Sometimes we get really fixated on, on this moment. I had this moment. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1973. And great. Those are great. I hope you have a moment you can look back to. But more than that, what has it been like since then? Is it every day coming before his presence saying, Spirit of God, I need you today. I need your infilling. It isn't just day by day. I don't know about your life, but it's moment by moment in my life where I'm constantly in this place of, Spirit, what are you leading me in? Where are you leading me? This conversation, there are times when I'm about to go into a conversation. Guess what I'm praying? Spirit, I need you in this moment. Guess what happens? There are moments on Sunday morning. I, you know, you guys think that I'm so spiritual and like Greg's always, come, always comes and he's ready to go and he's got to, I study real hard all week long. I'm digging into the word. I'm praying. But when I show up on Sunday morning, guess what? The enemy wants to get in my ear and say, you don't deserve to be on that stage, Greg. And guess what I get to say? I don't have to go up there on my own. I'm not going up there in my strength. I get to step up under the power of the Holy Spirit, trusting that he will do what I can't do. Guess what? Every Sunday morning, you know what I do? I walk around and I place a hand and I pray over every one of those chairs out there. I don't get up and preach without doing that. Why do I do that? Because it's a cute little thing to do every week. No, I do it. And you know what I'm praying? Holy Spirit, would you speak what I can't speak to every person? Would you divinely work in this room? Because I'm not good enough, but God, you are. And by the power of your spirit, would you speak and move and, and do things I can't, Lord? It's a dependence on the spirit. And this is what he's inviting every single one of us to. It's this holy dependence on his Holy Spirit. Last week, Micah talked about this. You know, he pulled this out. He's like, you know, a lot of us, we're, we're walking around empty because we're not inviting the Spirit. And, you know, there's some of us that we, like the Spirit of God wants to pour into our lives. It's like we're blocking. We don't want any of, any of it. But I would say that this is also the case, that, that some of us were like, yeah, I was filled with the Spirit. How many know we're, we're sometimes can be leaky vessels? <laughs> He gave us what we needed a few years ago, but we've not postured ourselves before him to say, God, I need, I need you to fill me again today. In Ephesians chapter five, the apostle says, Paul says, be filled with the spirit, but the original language doesn't just mean to be filled. It says, be filled and continue to be filled. That we would be in a posture of continually receiving the power of the Spirit work within us. And it all comes back to a heart that says, God, I need you. I can't do this. I need you. I want you. And I put myself in a place to receive from you on a day-by-day, -day, even a moment-by-moment -moment basis. So when it gets to our big so what today, we always say so what. It's just a simple question this morning. And it's this, what is your heart posture toward the Holy Spirit? What is your heart posture toward the Holy Spirit? I love asking this question toward to people because some people, like I've said, what's your, 
you know, have you been filled? Are you seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you seeking the Spirit's move in your life? Some people are like, oh, that's, I don't know what to do with that. I just want to simplify. What's your heart posture to the Holy Spirit? Are you saying, Holy Spirit, you can, can do this, but I'm not, I'm not going to allow you to do anything else. Or is your heart posture saying, Holy Spirit, here I am. Would you speak? Would you lead? Would you guide? Would you give me whatever it is that you have for me? I'm not going to set any constraints that Scripture does not set on my life. Say, Holy Spirit, have your way in my heart, in my life, in my... Right? I don't know where you've been in your past. I don't know where your heart is today. But I believe there are some people here today that today's the day for you to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For some of you that it's just been a while. Your life is a little dry right now. You need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. And then for some of you, you're just like me where you're in a place where you're like, I need the Holy Spirit every day. There isn't a day that doesn't go by where I don't need the Holy Spirit's move in my life. And you just want to be filled again today. I'm going to give us all an opportunity to respond. Would you stand with me across the room? sang the song earlier, Lord, and we said, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That isn't some conversation about a building. That's a conversation about my heart. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in my heart. You are welcome in my life. I'm not setting barriers to you. I'm not setting limitations on you to say, I'm not letting you into that portion of my life. I'm not setting a boundary around what you're allowed. No, God, whatever you have, my heart is open to you pray over this congregation. Even right now, I would just encourage you to begin to open your hearts to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, have your way in my heart, in my life. Have your way in us. Have your way in us. I want to give you just a moment. I want us to take about a moment, about five minutes or so, to respond to the Spirit. Here's what I want you. If you are in one of three categories, one, you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you want to seek that this morning. Two, if you're in a place where you're like, I, I'm just stale and I, I need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Or three, you just want more of the Spirit in your life today. I'm going to ask you to step outside of your seat and just move a little this morning. I want you to step to the altar and just say, that's me. I want to come. I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. Can we just come and just have a, about five minutes or so just to respond to the Holy Spirit across the room? All across the room, I encourage you to come and move.